Welcome to the Somos Church Podcast. We are so glad you're listening. This is Sergio and Beatrice, and we're the pastors here at Somos Church. We hope you feel encouraged, challenged, and inspired today. We love you. Enjoy the message. So good morning, everyone. You probably weren't expecting to see me here. Uh, I know I wasn't expecting to be here either. Uh, However, I don't want you to be concerned. Sergio did leave me with some notes, so I'll know how to handle this. They're nice and pink, so I won't lose them. So uh, I got them this way. I'm going to get them the right way. Here we go. Uh, So let's see. First thing it says is to tell everyone they look good. All right. You look good. Even if it's not true. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, oh, that was in parentheses. I wasn't supposed to read that out loud. Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, gosh. Already see? Uh, all right. So turn to the person that to your right and tell them, you look good today. And then turn to the left and say, you look I. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. All right. All right. Oh, uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh, boy, Sergio thinks of everything because he, he knows me really well. If you drop the smile, if you drop the index cards, don't worry. Just smile and. All right. I guess I'm not going to use those index cards, so fasten your seatbelts because this could be a wild ride. Uh, and I'm, I, I think what I need to do is kind of. First of all, first of all, I'm, I'm really honored to be here because it's a special Sunday. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Did you know that? Uh, it was my friend, uh, George, who's somewhere around, who actually pull, pulled the stuff up for me, uh, who reminded me. He said, hey, did you see the verse of the day? And you don't know what the verse of the day is. There's an app on, on your phone that you can get. It's a Bible app. It's called YouVersion. And I was like, yeah. And he said, this one's for you, man. This one's for you. But actually, it's for everyone. Let me tell you what it says. This is Acts 4.31. It says, and when they had prayed, say it with me, prayed. The place where they had gathered together was shaken. Tell me, say shaken. And they were all filled, say filled, with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. Say boldness. boldness. See, what had happened so many years ago on this particular date was after Jesus had left, just as he had promised, the Holy Spirit descended upon the apostles. And they began to speak boldly about the fact that Jesus had been crucified but came back. And then, this was during, at that point, it wasn't called the Pentecost. Back then it was called the Week of Feast because that's what Jews celebrated, right? The harvest. Well, the council called them up, had them arrested, called them up and brought to, to them and said, hey, what do you think you're doing? And they were just as bold there and said, hey, we're, we're speaking the truth. And what, who's going to speak against us? So we healed a, a guy in the name of Jesus. What was so bad about that? And they couldn't say anything. But they said, go back out there. Don't do it anymore. But instead, when they went back out there, they spoke even more boldly. That didn't stop. And that day, they converted 3,000 people into Christians. That became the start of what we know now as the church, the body of Christ, right? So I'm, I'm overwhelmed by all of this. Here I am. I'm overwhelmed 
that this is the day that I'm here speaking to you. So because I'm nervous and, you know, I'm giving my first sermon and it's such a, a really important topic on an important day, I'd like to pray. If you'll pray with me or pray for me as I pray right now, <laughs> please pray for me. Father God, I feel overwhelmed at the thought of teaching about the Holy Spirit. I feel so inadequate to speak about this gift that is priceless. Holy Spirit, take my lips. Speak through them. Holy Spirit, take our hearts and set them on fire with love for you and love for one another. In Jesus' name, amen. So I don't know about you, but I've been super excited for this whole series that we've been doing. How not to burn out. It's a super significant topic for us because let's face it, signs of burnout are in all of us or around us. What do they look like? Sense of failure. Feel trapped and defeated. Feeling helpless. Detachment. Feeling alone in the world. Loss of motivation. Increasingly cynical and negative outlook about the world around us. A decreased satisfaction and a decreased sense of accomplishment. You know, George spoke at our huddle. We have these huddles. And one of the things he told all of our, 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 our folks is, don't quit. Hey, don't quit. Things I know, things are getting tough all around us, but don't quit. And there's a reason he did that, right? Because here's what happens. When people get burnt out, there's a reason he said that. Because when we start to feel burnt out, and it's not addressed, you're going to quit. You're going to quit. That's what people do when they get so burned out. This culture is burnt out. How do you know? You see it all around you. We have quiet quitting from work. People just quit without even saying anything. They just, that's it. People are quitting their marriages, getting a divorce. People are quitting on their kids. They don't know what to do with them. They're quitting on themselves. Some so much that they quit life by taking their own lives. They're quitting because they're so burnt out. That's why this series has been so impactful and relevant in my life. And hopefully yours as well. If you missed any of the previous messages in the series, I really encourage you to go to our YouTube channel or the videos posted up on our Facebook page and take a look at it. Let me just say this out loud. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need to activate the Holy Spirit in our lives. So I'm excited about the title of today's message, which is, Yo, where are you? Say it with me. Yo, Yo. where are you? This entire series that we've been going through has been framed in the context of being burnt out, right? But really, what this has been about is trying to go from being burnt out to burning so that we can burn so bright ourselves that others will want to hear about the good news. I don't know about you, but even as a kid, I had a hard time for a long time grasping a lot of what we learn here right? I just had a hard time. Even heaven. Heaven to me, I thought as a kid, was just like right above the clouds. Like if I could just get above the clouds, I could see heaven, right? 
So what happens? One summer, I'm going to take a trip to Puerto Rico with my mom and my little brother, and we're going to fly from New York to Puerto Rico. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to go see heaven. That's what I thought. So we get on the plane. We're getting on there. We go up there. And at some point, as we cross, start to cross the ocean to get to the island, we hit turbulence. There's a storm. And it's really, it's a thunderstorm. It's lightning. It's all bad. And so the pilot announces that, hey, we're going to go above the clouds. And I'm like, oh, this is it. I'm finally going to see it. I'm going to see it. And as he's cruising up there, it hits turbulence really bad. Drinks are going all over from the car. The flight attendant just slammed into her chair. And I'm getting more excited. I'm like, yeah, we're going to heaven. <laughs> I hear this lady going, ay Dios mío, which only encouraged me. So I go, yeah, we're going to heaven. In retrospect, that probably didn't make people feel too comfortable about the flight. But I've had a hard time grasping concepts around God and heaven and the Trinity. And so uh, before I go any further, let me ask you this. How many of you have kids? Okay, there you go, lots of kids. Okay, so some of you are aware that when I was uh, single, I was a single parent for a little while. And I parent, single parented my kids. And, and uh, sometimes you have difficulty with kids, especially when you're going on long drives. They don't do well on long drives. I don't know if you've experienced that. So I have. And, and so we're going on this long drive, and they begin to do things like, you know, she's looking at me, you know, or she's touching me. So I don't know about what you do. I, don't, I didn't have a cell phone back then. It was back way back. And, and so uh, unless I went to a way back hot tub or something. I just couldn't do that. So, uh, so I used to tell them stories, and I would tell them kind of fairy tales that would help entertain them and also give them some life principle. And here's the one I t- told them that time. Once upon a time, there lived three little fishies. They were sisters. How about that? And one said to the other two fishies, let's go find the ocean. And the other two fishies said, yeah, let's go. So they began swimming. They swam and they swam until they met a crab, and they asked them, Mr. Crab, where can we find the ocean? And the old crab giggled knowingly and said, keep on swimming, you'll reach it soon. And so they did. And after a while, after swimming a long time, they came upon a paracuda. And he asked them, Mr. Barracuda, where can we find the ocean? And the barracuda laughed and said, keep on swimming, you'll reach it soon. And so they did. And then after swimming quite a long time, they saw a queen angelfish. And they asked her, queen angelfish, Where can we find the ocean? And she said, my dears, you don't have to search for it. It's been all around you the entire time. Now, I told this story to make the point that joy is inside them. They didn't have to search for it. They just needed to acknowledge it and tap into it. There was a time that I had no idea how to reach the Holy Spirit. I understood conceptually, right, that the Holy Spirit was part of the Trinity. But I didn't visualize the Holy Spirit as a separate entity. I just thought he was like a spirit kind of a thing, you know, like a, a thing. Back then, they called him Holy Ghost. It was even more a little, you know, freaky, right? And so, uh, like those fishes, I thought I had to search for him. But see, here's the reality. We can't live as true followers of Christ alone. We don't have the strength. The only way to live that life is to let Christ live his life through us. Now, let me try to uh, 
uh, use a simple illustration to demonstrate, okay? I have this boxing glove here. It's pretty cool. It's nicely stitched, so all leather. It's got a nice little strap here. Now, if I decide to say, okay, glove, go punch Gary. Gary's like, why do you pick on me? Okay, punch game. Nothing happens, right? Okay, let's try this. All right, nice baseball glove. It actually has the logo of the Major League Baseball. So it's a, it's a real glove. Okay, glove. All right, ready? Catch the ball. Yeah. All right, you can hold on to that. It's your souvenir. All right, here's one more. Here's one more. Okay, got this work glove. Also leather, nicely stitched, really good quality. Now watch. Okay, glove, pick up that Bible. Come on, pick it up. Doesn't do anything. Maybe the glove needs some encouragement, some inspiration. So all right. Come on, glove, you can do it. You can do it. No. Okay, uh, maybe I have to do some discipleship. I have to do a little one-on-one. Sure. Look, look, just do like this, like I do. Thumb and fingers, like this. Okay? Now, you do it. No, still nothing. What if I make a connect group for the gloves, right? They're all together here. <laughs> right? And, 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 you know, we have a diverse group of people, so there's diverse gloves. Come on. All right, so still nothing. You know what I think? I think this glove needs to make a commitment to rededicate itself to being a glove. So raise a hand. Come on forward. Let's pray for it. Now you get the point. It's getting painfully obvious at this point. Even though each glove was designed for work or for baseball or for boxing, they were designed to do those things. It can't do its work until a living hand. Right? Fills it. We aren't able to live a supernatural life of God in our own strength. We have the capacity, just like the gloves. We were designed for it, but we don't have the power for it because of our fallen human condition. The only way to live that life is to let Christ live his life through us, and he does that through the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not on your own. The first thing to note here is that our bodies are what? Temples, right? Of the Holy Spirit who is in you. The Bible tells us that God does not dwell in houses made by human hand. For heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool, right? The good news that God made his home in the heart of all who come to Christ for salvation, for the forgiveness of sins and life everlasting. So all who are saved by grace through faith in Christ have a holy and noble calling. And as members of his body, we are living stones that are meant to be built up into a spiritual house. We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, in order that we may offer up our sacrificial 
spiritual sacrifices, which are holy and acceptable to him. See, Christians are collectively being built up by God one by one. That's why we talk about the one here in church. One by one into a holy temple. For Christ said, I will build my church. But in this verse, we discover that each of our individual bodies is a temple of the Holy Spirit because at the point of salvation, he took up permanent residence within our heart. He's boarded in there. He's in there for good. Because we were bought at an enormous cost. The precious blood of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross was the payment for our sins. And from that point onwards, our body became a temple for God. Amen. And the last part of that verse says, you are not alone. You see, his spirit dwells in you. You belong to him. Wow. What a picture, right? What a picture. Like We're filled with the spirit of God. This is you. This is me. All of us. All of us who are in Christ are filled with the Holy Spirit of God. So stop and really soak that in. Your body right now, right now is a temple of the Holy Spirit. You belong to God. You're his and he is yours. Christ did this to save you and me and give us a new life. Now, how often do we forget this and why? It's because there's so much going on all around us in this culture. We're constantly bombarded, right? We have stress at work, our kids, our finances, TikTok, whatever it is. All these various things that are in your life that distract you and prevent you from remembering that your body is a temple for the Holy Spirit. So we forget. God knows this. In John 14, 26, he tells us, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. I need reminders all the time. I forget all kinds of stuff. My wife is constantly reminding me. Hey, did you remember to do this? She did this this morning. Hey, did you remember to get that app and do this? Oh, no, I didn't. You know, we need reminding. The Holy Spirit's there to remind us. We need to activate the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need to call out. We need to cry out and activate the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. So now I need to tell you that I start off by telling you the title of this talk, but I put the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. That's right, I put the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. I needed to put the right emphasis on the right syllable. The title is, yo, where are you? So let's say this again. Repeat after me. Yo, Yo. where are you? you? Because we know where the Holy Spirit is. But where are you at? Where are you at with your walk with Christ? Where are you at with your relationship with the Holy Spirit? What are you doing to activate the Holy Spirit that's within you already. You might ask, how do you activate the Holy Spirit? Glad you asked. 
My three-year-old granddaughter, Kinsley, knows how to use voice activation on smart devices. This clever little toddler taught me how to use it on my phone and on my watch. We have all these voice-activated assistants, right? We have Alexa, we have Siri, we have Bixby, we have Cortana, we have all these different virtual friends who amazingly help us run our lives and all hands-free. As long as there's a smart device around, they're always there, always waiting, waiting to hear our voice, waiting for us to speak, waiting for us to call on them with our voice. Check this out. Here we go. Hey, Siri, what color are, why, no, why are fire engines red? I found this on the web. Try this again. Hey, Siri. Why are fire engines red? Color is the measure of light waves, and a wave is a way to get someone's attention. And the longer you wave, the more attention you get. And since red is the color with the longest wavelength, length, it gets the most attention of all. And that's why fire engines are red. Hey Siri, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. The sound of that is something quite atrocious. <laughs> As a believer, you have far more than virtual assistance to get you through your day. You have far more than Alexa or Siri or Bixby or Cortana, right? You have the power of the Holy Spirit with you 24-7. That's why just before he left this earth, Jesus assured his disciples and us, I will ask the Father and he will give you another comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby that he may remain with you forever. You have the creative force of heaven and earth available to you. It's simply a matter of learning how to activate it. Just like Kinsley taught me. I found out how to activate that thing on my phone. So if you're ready for the power of God to manifest in your life, you're in the right place. Are you ready? Let me hear you say it. Say, I'm, say I'm ready. Come on. Are you ready? Grace. All right. Here are four ways to activate the power of the Holy Spirit on your behalf so that you can reach your fullest potential and live your best life every day. Number one, words cause action. So in Genesis 1, 1 through 3, you see, in the beginning, God prepared, formed, fashioned, and created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and an empty waste, and darkness was upon the face of the very great deep. The Spirit of God was moving, hovering, brooding over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Like those devices, the Holy Spirit 
is always watching. He's there, always listening, always ready to move into action. But notice, the Holy Spirit never does anything except what he hears. At creation, the Holy Spirit was just chilling. He was just chilling. He was hovering. He was brooding. Nothing happened. Until God spoke. But the moment he did, whoo, the Holy Spirit cut loose, and the universe started expanding at a rate of 186,000 miles per second, the speed of light. You do the math. I'm not good at math. I was a communication major in college. Within the first 24 hours, within the first 24 hours, the creative force of God's words traveled nearly 17 billion miles. 17 billion miles. And science tells us, science tells us that it still hasn't stopped. Within the first 24 hours, the creative force of God's words traveled nearly 17 billion miles. That's the power. That's God's power through the Holy Spirit. God has given us the power to communicate through language, through words. The Bible tells us the following. In Proverbs, Proverbs 18.21, words are powerful. They kill or give life. It's true, right? The world was at war. There was atrocities being committed because one man used words to convince people to do certain things. Or they can give life like Jesus did. God's words do everything he wants them to. That's what it says in Isaiah 55, 11. God sustains and expands the universe by the power of his words. That's what it says in Hebrews 1.3. See, all power, all power is delegated by God. And all power comes in the container of words. Even Jesus admitted, as we read in John 12.49 through 50, I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say, and how to say it. And I know his commands lead to eternal life. So I say whatever the Father tells me to say. If the Holy Spirit and Jesus are bound by God's word, it only makes sense. It's only logical that we are too. What happens next is up to you. So pick your words wisely. If you choose to speak God's word in faith, you will. You will activate the power of the Holy Spirit. And where do you find these words? Right here in the Bible. This is his word. Or right here, Bible app. Number two, saying is believing. In Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7, 
These words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and walk by the way when you lay down and when you rise up. Seeing is not believing. I know you heard that, but Jesus made that clear. Rather, the words we continually speak prove what we really believe. Since what we believe is what we say, it's super important that we program our hearts and our minds with the right words, with life-producing words, with God's word. Proverbs 3, 1 through 2 say, God's word in our hearts produces life, healing, and health. Confessing with our mouths and believing in our hearts produces salvation. When it's Romans 10, 9. The process that God taught his people thousands of years ago, how to develop faith using words to program your minds and hearts, still works for us today. It's the process of becoming God-minded. It's when we read, meditate, and speak God's word until it becomes the final authority in our lives. The final word, the final say-so about any situation that we might face. So think about it. When the pressure's on, when the emotional temperature starts getting dialed up, you start feeling burnt out. What will the next words out of your mouth be? What will you say that in the end proves what you believe? Faith. Faith. That's what we're talking about here. Is John around? Where's John? John, come on up here for me. I want to show you how we think faith works. Because we have desires. We have our will. We have our plans for our life. I want this to happen, God. Make this happen. Move. And here's what happens. <laughs> Let me try again. <sighs> Nothing happens. Nothing happens. But watch this. Come on over here for a minute. John. Okay. I want you to take a step that way. Go ahead. Take another step. All right. Thank you very much, John. Go ahead. Thank, thank you. Can you give him a hand for helping me out? John, John had no idea what I was going to do. He just trusted me. That's how it works. See, it's so much easier for God to move when we take a step in faith. Nothing happened until that step happened. There was no movement. We need to take a step in faith and then the next one and then the next one. I need you to look in the mirror and say this every day. God's timing, not mine. God's plan, not mine. God's will, not mine. God's glory, not mine. God's word, not this world. Faith. Because you're not going to get any movement just waiting for it to happen until you take that step. And what I will say is this. Sometimes you don't have enough faith. Or sometimes someone else doesn't have enough faith. That's what good friends are for. Get the right friends. Get the right friends. 
because it's so important. And I'll tell you the story. Uh, the disciples uh, were with Jesus in this house, and he was starting to preach, and people started coming in. You know, they tracked them down somehow, and they filled this house up, and outside of this house were some friends with a paralytic, and they decided they were going to go ahead and bring them to Jesus so that he could heal them. But they could not get in that house. So those four friends, his homies, pulled him up on top of the roof so that he could be right above where Jesus was. And Jesus saw him. And the faith of his friends, the faith of the people who loved him, Jesus said, you are no longer paralytic. You are, you are healed. That's the power of faith. So if you don't have it, find someone here who does. Or if someone doesn't have it around you, help them with that. Because we can do that. Number three, believing the love. In John, 1 John 4, 13 and 16, it says this. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. As promised, once Jesus returned to heaven, God sent the Holy Spirit to be our standby. In 2 Timothy 17, 1.7, it tells us, he sent the Holy Spirit who gives you mighty power, love, and self-control. Think about that. Mighty power, love, and self-control. Those are the things that you have with the Holy Spirit inside you. And our God sent this Holy Spirit to empower us. He offers us 24-7 access to his spirit power and his spirit of love. Our response and responsibility is simply to believe the love God has for us and receive his power. Sounds easy enough, right? But for many believers, it's not. Check this out. Look, the day after, the day after, Jesus miraculously fed 20,000 people. He had crossed to the other side, the Sea of Galilee, and the large crowd stalked him. They tracked him down, man. And they had already experienced firsthand, firsthand, this power of the Holy Spirit in action through what Jesus had done the night before. But still, still they asked him, we want to perform God's work too. What should we do? That's in John 6, 28. And in the very next verse, John 6, 29, Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe. Believe. Activating the power of the Holy Spirit always comes down to faith. And sadly, Jesus had to call those people out and say, yo, come on. You got to believe. When it comes to believing the love of God, we need to know that God loves us with an everlasting love that never ends. It is unlimited. It is boundless. When it comes to receiving the power of God, know this, the same spirit, the Holy Spirit, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in us. 
He has given the unlimited greatness of God's power to us who believe. That's in Ephesians. Believe in Jesus and you will do greater works. John 14, 12. When we're convinced of God's love and filled with his spirit, there's nothing we can't or he can't do. It's like Jesus told the crowd. We'll just focus on believing and receiving part. God's spirit of power will handle the rest. At the same time, however, God has full confidence that we've got this because you see, as beloved children of God, we get the final word, the final say in this battle against our enemy. And here's what the Apostle Paul would advise us to say. We are strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. To do that, we got to get to number four, which is dress for battle. Dress for battle. The Lord looked and was displeased to find there was no justice. He was amazed to see that no one intervened to help the oppressed. So he himself stepped in to save them with his strong arm. He put on the righteousness, put on righteousness, body armor, and placed the helmet of salvation on his head. And he clothed himself with a robe of vengeance and wrapped himself in the cloak of divine passion. Isaiah 58.8 says, the, Lord, the glory of our Lord is our rear guard. If you've been in a service, you know you need that rear guard. Because if you're facing the enemy this way, you can believe that he's got someone coming up from the rear. We have to dress for battle as well. Paul wrote in Ephesians, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. What's even better, we as next generation believers now have personal access to the ultimate weapon of choice, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of power himself. We have that. If I could get Gary to come up at some point with, and help me out here. Not this Gary, the, I mean, Gabe, rather, Gabe, excuse me. <laughs> calling, calling you out all, all, the whole time here. Uh, so let me ask you, can you use some hands-free assistance today to fight off generational curses, to beat whatever's coming at you, those spiritual uh, uh, fight that's coming against you? Can you use that? Do you want to catch all of the blessings that God wants to throw to you, give to you? Do you want to do that? Do you want hands-free assistance to do your father's work and help him to build up his church? Then we need to remember these four ways to activate the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is there and ready to respond to you just as quickly, just as powerfully as he did to create the first the world, the first day of the world. All you got to do is activate him with your words, expressing your faith, believing his love, and dressing for battle. On the other side of that, you will find your help. So, yo, where are you? Where are you now? Now, in the beginning, I mentioned that in order to have the Holy Spirit dwell in you, you have to first be saved by grace through faith in Jesus. If I could get everyone to please stand up. 
If you are someone today who hasn't yet asked for Jesus Christ to come into your life, and you know that you want, well, no, you need the power of the Holy Spirit, I want you all to close your eyes right now out of respect. If you're that person, please raise your hand up. Thank you. Thank you. Ah, repeat this prayer. Everyone, in fact, please repeat this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I confess my sins and ask for your forgiveness. Please come into my heart as my Lord and Savior. Take complete control of my life and help me to walk in your footsteps daily by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for saving me and for answering my prayer. Amen. Please keep your eyes closed. Because even if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, but you need His help. You need to activate the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Because you're tired of being burnt out. And you want to be burning with His power. Raise up your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Right there we are. I'm going to pray over you. Dear Lord, help us to glorify you with our bodies. Help us to glorify you with our thoughts. Help us to glorify you with our desires. God, help us to glorify you with our actions. Help us to glorify you in our relationships. Help us to glorify you in the moments when we are with others. And help us to glorify you in the moments when we are alone. But we're not really alone. We're never really alone. That's kind of the point, isn't it? You're always with us. We're never alone. Your spirit, your Holy Spirit is in us. It's always with us. Help us not to be burnt out, but to be burning with the power of the Holy Spirit. So bright, so bright that another person sees it says, I want that too. And we take away one more person, one person from the grips of Satan, one more, and instead add them as yet one more living stone used to build into your spiritual house, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, thank you so much. Give it up for God. Give it up for Jesus. Give it up for the Holy Spirit. Wow. What a privilege and honor has been here for the Holy Spirit to activate in my life and speak through me to you. I love you all. Please hang around, have some coffee, catch up with one another, and God bless you on this day of the Pentecost. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's message, please subscribe, like, and share. It helps more than you know. Also, if you'd like to be a part of the Somos Church giving family, you can do so today by going to somoschurch.cc slash give. Thanks so much for joining us. We're praying for you and we hope you have an amazing day.